I'll be here next year for sure, and I'm pretty confident that we'll have our core back and we'll try to make another run at it. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Today's show also brought to you in part by Hotels.com and Grip6 Belts. We're going to be almost uh, ready to finish off the season review series of shows. And yes, I know that their season isn't over at this point, but fantasy basketball, we're mainly concentrating on the regular season. So we are going to be looking at the Golden State Warriors and their 2018. 18-19, mainly regular season. Of course, they are still uh, barely alive in the NBA playoffs, in the NBA finals. Down three games to one as we wait for game five uh, coming tomorrow. So we're going to talk mainly about their regular season. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it indeed. This was the number one team in the Western Conference with a 57-25 and 25 record. 10th uh, in pace, 13th best defense. Of course, the number one offense in the NBA as well. And as I mentioned just earlier, uh, looking down the barrel here in these NBA finals against the Raptors, um, Kevin Durant, there's a possibility he does return for game five, has been upgraded to questionable. I think they're going to have to at least consider you know, putting him out there not at full strength, but he's, he doesn't appear like he's going to be the same guy. Of course, uh, Cousins are struggling. Clay Thompson returned last game. It's going to be interesting game five back in Toronto to see how this team goes. But let's look at it from a fantasy point of view. And what this team was able to do during the season. They were one of the best, or they were the best shooting team in the NBA. Third in three-point percentage, first in field goal percentage, first in effective field goal percentage. They didn't get to the line really much at all. Only 28th in free throw attempts, but they led the league in assists. They led the league in block shots. Um, yeah, they were third in defensive rebounding. They had their shots blocked the fewest, and I guess that's by nature of them not getting to the line that much and having a lot of three-point attempts, eighth in the NBA in three-point attempts. So not the most, even though they've got two of the greatest three-point shooters of all time and Kevin Durant on this team. They didn't you know, take that amount of, uh, that huge amount of, uh, of three-point attempts, but we all sort of know what this Golden State Warriors squad is, what they do on the court, what their strengths and weaknesses are, and they are a very top-heavy team in regard to their fantasy value. Now, for their upcoming off-season, they have... Um they have their their, uh, their pick at the end of the draft, pick number 28, pick number 58 as well in the second round. So no trades have gone on in those uh, in those spots. But free agency is the, the really interesting stuff here for this squad. Of course, they've got an unrestricted free agent in Clay Thompson and a player option on Kevin Durant, which is almost definitely going to decline for $31.5 million. The prevailing sentiment seems to be that he'll be going somewhere else. Now, whether that's the Nets, the Knicks, the Clippers... Uh, or whether he's maybe he's back at the Warriors, we don't know. But that is going to be a massive swing point across the entire NBA, and no more so that from a fantasy point of view as to what happens with these Warriors guys. We know that Steph Curry was the number one fantasy player before Kevin Durant joined, and the season before that, Kevin Durant was the number one fantasy player. So, if those guys split up again, will they go back to number one and two with Harden and Davis and and uh, Towns and Giannis and all these other guys, Jokic perhaps pushing into this mix as well? There's going to be so much really interesting things happening at that number. one one spot if Durant ends up leaving. 
They also have DeMarcus Cousins, who they signed to that one-year deal. He's an unrestricted free agent. He has looked not good during these playoffs as well uh, in terms of re-signing him. The Warriors, because they signed him to a one-year really low amount deal, they can't really go that big on him in terms of uh, offering uh, deals. Unless they lose both KD and Clay, then maybe they can, then they'll be uh, push them under the cap and they can actually offer more. So it appears that he'll go somewhere different. There's Kavon Looney, uh, who's been really their best center pretty much all of the season. Andrew Bogut and Jonas Sherepko, they're all unrestricted free agents as well. And then there's Quinn Cook and Jordan Bell, both restricted guys. I imagine Cook will be back. Bell, I'm not so sure about. We've known the concerns there. There's... um. Alfonso McKinney with a non-guaranteed deal and Sean Livingston with a non-guaranteed deal as well. And Livingston, we know, is getting up there in age. $2 million of his salary is guaranteed for next season. You'd think he'd be back for one more year and maybe he looks to uh, call it quits after that. But a very, very interesting offseason. And this is a team who, even if Durant and, and Thompson both leave, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be able to you know, just bring in whoever they want in that situation, although that would be uh, quite a bit off the books. But they do have 115 in guaranteed salary. You take that 31 of Durantoff that pushes them down to 80-odd and still need to fill out the rest uh, rest of their roster, of course. So it is going to be really, really interesting what happens here with this squad and the values of guys like uh, like Curry and like Draymond especially, if KD happens to leave, will uh, will likely spike and we'll see you know, maybe not some of those previous levels that we'd uh, seen in the past, but they, they should be a significant jump back up. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You'll never miss an episode. And the best way to do that is by downloading the Himalaya podcast app. It's free. It's easy to use. It has every single podcast that you love and the ones that you don't know that you love just yet. Personally curated playlists made by their expert podcast tastemakers. Go and download the Himalaya podcast app and subscribe to this podcast. Follow this podcast, Locked on Fantasy Basketball, while you're there. Let's get into these blokes now. Talk about Stephen Curry, who on a per game basis was still the fifth ranked overall player in fantasy basketball. Played 69 games, 34 minutes, 27 points, five triples, five rebounds, and five assists. The triple five, 1.3 steals, 47 and 92, including 44% from three. Um, I think people would be surprised to know that that's three consecutive seasons that Curry has been the number five overall player in per game value. And as I said before that, the three seasons prior to Durant uh, arriving, he was one, one, and two. So could he go from five, maybe back to three? Of course, he is four years older than what he was when he was putting up those number one type fantasy seasons. But you know what he's doing at the moment and why, where the difference is, I guess, mainly, and we can talk about Durant's impact and all that sort of stuff. It hasn't really been that different. Curry's usage in that 15-16 season was 33%. It dropped down to 31 the next year, 31 the next year, and then this season, it was at 30.4. So while that was a drop, the 14-15 season, he was still the number one ranked player and he had a usage of 29%. The real reason that he's dropped from number one down to number five, so this might make it so that if KD does leave, maybe he doesn't jump up that high. The, the real reason that he's dropped down is his steals went from 2.1 down to 1.3. Two down to 1.3. Like that, that's, that's the difference. The efficiency numbers, yeah, they were at 50 and 49 in those two number one ranked seasons for field goal percentage. He's at 47 this season. Maybe he can't ever get back that legendary level of efficiency he had back in those seasons, but it's those steal numbers. The assist numbers had been relatively stagnant up until this year, where he'd been at 6.7, 6.6, and 6.1, down this season to that 5.3 mark. So that's a little bit of a discrepancy. He's upped his threes over some of those previous seasons as well. So really, you know, he had a number one season in fantasy where he averaged 24 points. 
7.7 assists and two steals. But then the next year, he averaged 30 points and 25 and 26. And then what he did this year, averaging 27 points. It's really that steal. So that 1.3 steals he had this year was up to two steals. Then he is back in conversation for the number two, number three sort of a guy. So maybe it's not all just a Durant factor. Maybe we're not expecting that usage, which again is already at 30.5%. Is it going to go back to that 32, which he's literally done once in his career, or will it hover around that 30, 31? I would think it would jump uh, maybe 31, 31 and a half, but it's not going to be the com- complete cure of Curry just automatically ascending back to being the number one guy. He did lead this team in PIPM plus 7.04, marginally behind Durant in wins added, but that's mainly because he played about 350 fewer minutes, a massive plus 15.9 on-off. We know how good this guy is. He still gets underrated in many circles, including many fantasy circles, for how good of a player he is and continues to do it. But there is going to be some decline coming at some point. He is 31 years of age. Um, He'll play most of next year at the age of 31 as well, but there is going to be some decline coming. The next guy we talk about is, of course, Kevin Durant, the big swing piece in this offseason. 78 games. He's going to turn 31 in about three or four months' time. 26 with six rebounds, six assists, average more assists than Curry, a 1.83. One thing that always is a little bit underreported or undermentioned with Durant is he just gets no steals. 0.8 steals, 1.1 blocks, 52 and 89, including 35% from three. And for as good of a shooter as he is, he hasn't always been a consistently elite three-point shooter yet. Last season, he shot 42%, but the year before, 38, then 38, and 40, and 39, and they are really good numbers, but they're not that elite 44, 43 that you know, Curry and Clay and JJ Redick and these guys can, can bang in, and those steal numbers are always comically low from Durant. We also saw a big drop-off in his block numbers. In his seasons in uh, Golden State, he'd been the third-ranked player, and then again, the third-ranked player, and this year, down to the eighth-ranked player, because these low-volume numbers, they swing things a lot. His first two years in Golden State, 1.6 blocks, then 1.8 blocks. This year, all the way down to 1.1 blocks, and that takes you from the third-ranked player down to the eighth-ranked player. We saw a bump in his assists this season. We saw a drop in his three-pointers. Everything else stayed relatively similar, apart from the fact that his blocks dropped by that significant amount, and that pushed his value back down. So again, He's a guy that in OKC, usage was 31 and 29 and 33. And his years in Golden State, 28, 30, 30. It's not that different. He's shown other ways to improve his game by improving that shot blocking over time. Uh, The assists have jumped up as well. And whichever team he goes to, we know he's going to play those 34, 35 minutes, which is exactly what he did here. He's going to have 30% usage. Maybe it goes to 32, 33. Maybe he gets that high. That's not a guarantee because, again, those OKC seasons, he was sharing the ball with Westbrook. And if he goes to the Knicks, there's no Westbrook there, of course, unless Butler or Kyrie, even though they're still not Westbrook in terms of uh, usage vacuums. So it's not a guarantee that he jumps back to number one, but there will be a marginal increase. But the the reason his value dropped was the blocks. That's really all it was for this season. And there is still lots to to concern. It's not going to be this massive, oh, now he's going to be taking 25 shots a game because he's literally never done that. His highest season in field goal attempts per game was the 13-14 season where he played 38 and a half minutes a game, not happening again, and took 21 field goal attempts. That is the highest he's ever had. The only time he's ever gone over 20 field goal attempts per game. And that was his highest usage season. And I believe that's the season that Westbrook missed a chunk of time in as well. So we look at all this stuff with Duran. He's obviously you know, fantastic. He's going to be a, you know, a top five fantasy guy. But you know, elevating back to number one when there are so many other guys in that area, when we look at what actually caused him to drop off, it's not a guarantee. Plus 6.06 PIPM, 14 wins added is huge, plus 13.4 on off. 
really up there with uh, with Curry type numbers. So Durant, we know how good he is, and next season is going to be really, really interesting. The next guy who's probably even more interesting than those two guys is DeMarcus Cousins. On a per-game basis last season, the 29th ranked player overall. He had an ADP of 110, which was about right considering how much of the season he missed. He played 30 games, but came in pretty strong for the fantasy playoffs. Whether you could hold him for that time during the year is another matter. And it's not about if I took him at pick 40 and then he comes in, he's a top 30 player in my playoffs. That's great. But if you take him at pick 40 and sit him in your IR, that means you've missed getting another third or fourth round player to actually get you to the playoffs in in that stage. Um, But he did come back strong only in 26 minutes a game, 16 and eight with 3.5 assists, 1.3 steals, 1.5 blocks, almost a three. So you almost triple one in 26 minutes, 48, 74, the putrid 27% from three coming back from that Achilles injury. He's looked poor at times. He's looked uh, unfit. Is he finished as an elite level player? This is a guy, though, if he's playing 32 minutes a night, I'm not even sure he can get back to that given the, the injury history and Achilles for big men is hard to come back from. He hasn't really necessarily dispelled that that um, that truth, I guess, uh, regarding returning from Achilles injuries. He could very easily be a second round guy, but I'm not sure I'd be willing to take that risk. Could he be a top 10 guy? Yeah, he could because those permanent numbers that he put up this season in the regular season were really, really impressive. And on a usage of 28, when he could go to another team and have 32, 31% usage, but still, 28 is high, but his value comes from he gets assists, he gets steals, he gets blocks, he hits threes, he he gets rebounds, he does everything right across the board. An, an excellent fantasy guy, but can he sustain back to those starters minutes when he was in Sacramento and when he was with the Pelicans? Can he get those minutes back? But it was a, really an up and down an up and down season from Cousins in terms of on-court play, but I don't think we could have really expected too much more in terms of production on the court. In terms of what his per 36s look like, that's a good way to compare. We saw a drop in scoring, a drop in threes because that shooting was so poor, but his steal and block rate actually went up. His assist rate was the same. His rebounds were marginally down, but not by that much. And his efficiency numbers were almost the same outside of the three-point shooting. So that's um, that's encouraging. That's more just... Can he play those 35 minutes a night that he played when he was healthy? Or will he be a 30-minute-a-night guy? Because if he's a 34-minute-a-night guy, then he is back into the top 10, top 12 discussion. I just don't think that he's really going to be able to get there. During his minutes, during the regular season, 771 minutes, he was a real positive defensive PIPM guy, second on this team behind Draymond, plus 1.84 overall, which was fourth on the team overall in uh, in total PIPM. He was, though, a negative 1.1, which is curious when you're playing so many of the minutes with, with Durant and Curry, who were both absolutely monster, plus 13s and plus 15s. That is, uh, that's interesting to see. And we've seen that on court from Cousins, some of the struggles that he has had during this season. But he is going to look at this so much interesting stuff happening this offseason. And he is another one of those guys that we have to pay attention to. Make sure you are checking out today's sponsors. That is Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Hotels.com. Be there, do that, and get rewarded. And Grip6 belts, ultra lightweight belts, no holes, no flaps, a great Father's Day gift. Go to Grip6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E, for your special offer. Let's, of course, now talk about Clay Thompson, a guy who I feel like is consistently overrated as, I guess, a bit of a real-life player. I saw someone with an absolute nonsense take, and it was a nobody, so people can spout whatever bullshit they want on Twitter, but saying, I've been saying for five years, Clay Thompson's the better player than Steph Curry. Cool. Get your head out of your ass and maybe watch some games. Clay is still really, really good, but his fantasy value gets overrated significantly. He had an ADP of 29, wasn't able to live up to that. Now, I wasn't sure he'd be able to be a top 50 guy this season. He was, so I was wrong with that uh, at coming in at number 44. 
But part of the reason why Clay was able to be the 12th ranked player in 14-15 or 25th in 15-16 is because back then hitting three threes per game meant so much more than it does now. For example, Clay Thompson in the 14-15 season hit 3.1 triples. That had a Z score of 2.48. This season he hit 3.1 triples. That had a Z score of 1.66. Meaning everyone else is hitting threes. Clay's still hitting them at relatively the same volume. Therefore, the scarcity of that stat becomes, uh, it's not as scarce. So what he does isn't as important and he just doesn't do anything else. He doesn't block shots. He's a good defender, but steal rate is low. Actually improved that this season. And if he hadn't, he'd been at 0.8 steals each of the last three seasons. And if he had kept himself at 0.8 steals again this year, he wouldn't have been a top 50 guy, fulfilling the prophecy that I thought would be the case. But he did up it to 1.1, a career high. Blocks at 0.6, not a big number. Uh, he shoots a great free throw percentage, doesn't get to the line, so that doesn't impact you. 46% from the field is fine, but it's still overall a negative. Low rebounds, low assist, and he scores well. This is what he does. He's a two-category player. He's a points and threes guy. And with the scarcity of threes diminishing and with everyone being able to hit them, then his value really is lower. So but by these metrics, which don't tell the story at any point, you know, overall rankings, I talk about how unreliable it can be just to rely solely on that. You say and look at Clay, oh, well, 44th best player, that's still really good. I wouldn't have him anywhere near that fourth round discussion because when your best category by a significant margin is threes, I think that takes a lot of your value away and you're only a positive, really, a significant positive in one other category, then he is dropping down to fifth and sixth round type territory for me. He had a horrible start to the season, came on really strong at the end of the year, but overall, PIPM plus 0.17. His second half was really strong, but overall on-off, negative 0.6. In fact, the first half of the season, he was a negative 5 on-off. The, the second half, he was a plus 5. So it really was a tale of two seasons. His threes wouldn't go down. I think he was at 34% for the first 40 games from three, and then about 44% after that, just to get himself back to that overall number that we used to seeing from Clay, 40% shooting from three. So he did that again this season, but he just is such an underwhelming fantasy contributor, and Look at his look at his numbers. Look at his um, season logs. Nothing is changing. He's had 20 to 22 points each of the last five seasons. 3.1 to 3.5 triples each of those seasons. 3.2 to 3.9 rebounds each of those seasons. 2.1 to 2.9 assists. 0.8 to 1.1 steals and 0.5 to 0.8 blocks. This is all he does. It is as clockwork as it comes. I don't believe he's going anywhere in free agency. I don't think that Kevin Durant leaving is going to necessarily change that much. Maybe he does get a couple of extra shots and the 21 points goes to 23 points, but he's not all of a sudden going to become a rebound, assist, steal, block monster. Maybe he ups a little bit and maybe he can keep himself in the top 50 just by that marginal increase in usage, but he just isn't as good of a fantasy player as uh, his reputation and as how some people, I believe, um, view him as that sort of a guy. Next up, we're looking at Draymond Green, which was a really down season from Draymond, the 46th ranked player. He had an ADP of 31. I think that was a fair enough ADP, to be honest. I didn't expect him to fall this far. His previous four seasons, he'd been ranked 27th, 9th, 20th, and 22nd. So even those seasons with Durant, he managed a second round value. He was not able to manage that this season. Seven and a half points, seven and a half rebounds, seven assists, 1.4 steals, 1.1 blocks, 45 and 69 Giggity. from the line, including just 29% from three. So it's pretty obvious where the issues are there because he's still doing those other things that Draymond does, giving you seven rebounds and seven assists, which he's done each of the last two seasons. Steals and blocks almost identical to last year. But what we saw is those three-pointers drop significantly from 1.1 down to 0.7 and the scoring down from 11 points down to under eight points. 
Now, Draymond admittedly wasn't in the best shape this season. Lost a ton of weight, and he looks completely different in the playoffs. And if Durant leaves and a marginally larger role, which, you know, that's not hard to do when your usage is 13%. Can he jump back up into the top 30? I reckon that's a possibility because his strengths haven't really changed. The rebounds, assists, the steals, and blocks. It's can he go from seven and a half points, eight points per game, back to 12 points. That takes him from 44th, 46th, down back up to 30th, 26th. And I think that's a real possibility. The shooting percentages, 45 and 69 this season. Well, last year he was at 45 and 78. So those free throws are, are a problem. But overall, field goal percentage is not that big a deal. But that triple influencer, the three-point percentage category, down as low as it was, that goes back up to 30, 31, which it was each of the last two seasons. Then your three-pointers, your points, and your field goal percentage all increase. And I think we see him having a bit of a bounce back as well, especially if he can maintain some pretty good shape, which he did at the end of the season after a pretty lazy start. 13 PIPM plus 3.47, easily led the team in defensive PIPM plus 8.5 on off. He's been unbelievable defensively throughout most of the playoffs, really showing he's still got that gear, just hasn't taken it quite as seriously as you would have liked during the regular season. They are the four, they are five top 50 players on a per game basis the Warriors had for fantasy basketball. The next ranked player is outside the top 150, Andre Iguodala, 174th. He claims he's going to have one more season. He's 35 years of age. He is an assists streamer and that's it. He averaged three assists per game with 0.9 steals and 0.8 blocks. There's a bit of value there. More of a 16-team league guy with absolutely zero upside. Uh, shot the ball decently, except from the line where he was at 58%. Never going to be a high usage guy. But again, you lose some of those Durant minutes and shots, and they are going to go. They're not all going to go to Steph. They're not all going to go to Clay. They are going to spread around. But Iguodala just becomes really that stream option. He's still shown he's got that ability, the defensive ability, a positive uh, PIPM guy coming off the bench, a plus 3.6 um, uh, on off as well. Really, really strong, but he's just as far from an, an impact fantasy guy as you can get. Kevon Looney, I was expecting more from Looney this season. He played 80 games, but only 19 minutes. I was expecting either him or Jordan Bell to really establish themselves as a 26-minute guy as a center. It appeared they were going to go with Looney, who'd shown you a lot more. I, I hope they'd go with Bell, because I thought he could really step up in his second season. We'll talk about him later. He was a disaster. But then they went with Damian Jones as a starting center for a big chunk of time. And Looney, just those 19 minutes, kept him outside the top 200. Six and five with 0.6 deals and 0.7 blocks on 62 and 62 is his percentages. His free agency is low-key, really, really, um, really, really intriguing because if he is a 26, 27-minute-a-night guy, he pushes into 12-team discussions. On a per-36 basis this season, he averaged 12 and 10 with over a steal, over a block on 64%. Now, that is... I guess it's almost Jakob Hurdle-ish type numbers, and he's not playing 36 minutes a night, but giving him 26, 27 minutes, I think that he's shown a little bit more handling the ball. His assist rate was well up this season. Uh, he showed he can do a bit of scoring. The rebounding's impressive. The defensive stuff, his block numbers dropped right off this season. I think they can go back up. He is a sneaky chance if he does go to another team who installs him as a, as a starting center, which is still a massive, massive doubt. He is a name to watch, and I thought he showed enough this season and continual improvement every single season. A positive PIPM guy as well, a contributor, a plus 3.2 on-off, and was, to me, almost their best center for the majority of the season, even when DeMarcus Cousins came back. And he has um, obviously suffered that injury in the NBA Finals and, uh, and gutting it out with that collarbone problem. But... Really, really uh, interesting season. I thought there was way more that could have happened, but Kerr going with these weird rotations limited his overall value and that limited his fantasy production in that situation. Speaking of, Damo Jones, 
Uh, only played 24 games. Did come back in these playoffs after suffering that torn pectoral muscle. 17 minutes, 5-3 and three with one block on 72 and 65%. He started off the season with an absolute monster against Steven Adams. But as it turns out, the only player he can play well against is Steven Adams. So after that, he just didn't do anything. My faith in Damian Jones wasn't high before this season. Um, it's not any higher now. He was a negative in PIPM. He was... Um, Somehow a negative 2.9 despite starting a majority of the games that he played with all those all-stars and, and Clay and, and Steph and KD you know, really struggled. I don't really see much. Look, the field goal percentage is interesting from Damo Jones. The block rate is interesting, but his ability to stay on the court is really limited. He's a poor rebounder as well, and I don't have uh, huge amounts of faith for him moving forward. After that, there's really there's not a lot to talk about in this team. Yunus Sherepko had his moments. He is 32 years of age and an unrestricted free agent, played 17 minutes a night. He's a good for one or two, what the hell game was that, uh, from him during the, each season. Um, but reliability and a regular rotation, although he could fit on some teams and actually fill roles better than some of the other guys. He might be interesting, say, in that role that Patrick Patterson was supposed to fulfill in Oklahoma City. Maybe Yurepko can do that, but at age 32, you reckon he's almost past it. Andrew Bogut, similarly. Sean Livingston, as low an upside guy as you can get, 34 uh, 34 years of age, 15 minutes, 4 points, 52% shooting, offers no fantasy value. But the guy I do want to talk about here is Quinn Cook, who we know that when he comes in, he can score. When Steph goes down, Quinn Cook is is a must-roster player. If they found a role for him on another team as a restricted free agent, he'd be an interesting guy. I think he does have very low-end starting uh, starting point guard ability, but he is 26 years of age, so that window is rapidly closing. But a guy that can score, can do it efficiently. He's a 40% three-point shooter, consistently hits his twos at a high rate. Assists really struggle here in Golden State, but I think in another system without, without those other guys around, he could thrive in that area. Defensively, he's a disaster, so that can be a problem, but he's a name to watch, and he's, his advanced stats were absolutely horrible this season. Negative 4.96 with a negative 1.62 wins out of That is horrible, and a negative 14.3 on-off. A lot of that is to do with the guy that he's backing up, and that is being one of the greatest players of all time in Steph Curry. But it, was a, it wasn't a great season from Cook, but I still believe in him. Jordan Bell, I uh, I thought he was worth an interesting flyer at the end of standard league drafts. Turns out it wasn't. Just 12 minutes. A very, very disappointing season from Jordan Bell. There was clear tension between him, Steve Kerr, and the, uh, and the coaching staff. You can call me Coach Steve. It was really you know, disappointing to see him lose minutes from his rookie season where he you know, put up some really strong numbers with a high field goal percentage, good block and steal rates. And they stayed decently similar, especially the block rate. The steal rate did drop off. But we saw him lose points per 36, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks all drop this season, as well as efficiency. It was a disaster of a second year for Jordan Bell. I still have hope for him, but he couldn't have been really much worse this season in a dynasty format. If you're looking to acquire him, this is going to be the lowest his value is. I don't think he's going to be back as a restricted guy, uh, given the um, the issues that seem to be there between him and the team and the mutual I guess, dislike at times between them. He is a guy that is absolutely still got value to me, and I think that he can have top 100 seasons if he finds that role. But this was a really big step back for Jordan Bell in his second NBA season. Um, but still a name to watch. Alfonso McKinney played way more than I thought he would. 72 games, 14 minutes a night. He had a stretch at the start of the season where his three-point shooting was red hot. That wasn't able to continue. And then their other one, their rookie wing, Jacob Evans. I, I just didn't do anything to get me interested in Jacob Evans moving forward. An older player 
um, coming out of college who showed really good value in college as a defensive guy, putting up defensive numbers, but couldn't even get anything really going in the G League with a, a PIPM of negative 0.96, mainly because his offense sucked, but defensively, he was still strong there. Everyone needs wings who can provide some level of defense, but the shooting is a real problem for, for Jacob Evans. He's 22 years of age. We're going to need to see something there, but opportunities could be arising if Durant does leave. Could he step into that? He had a, a strong game at the end of the regular season, which gives a little bit of hope. We think, oh, maybe we can see something from Jordan Evans. So he's not a complete give up guy yet because his ability to generate defensive numbers gives us some interest. That game I was talking about was against the Pelicans on the 9th of April, 37 minutes, 11, five and two with three steals and two blocks. That's where the value comes in, the three steals and two blocks. And if you can shoot it a little bit, then there is something there for, for, um, uh, for Jacob Evans. But really, we didn't see anything from him at all. In fact, he scored just in his first... Let's have a look where his scoring was. He scored. This this is how his season went, right? He had uh, two points in the first game, two points in the second game, and then scored about six other points for the rest of the uh, for the rest of the season until those last two games of the of the year, and, and did really struggle at times, especially offensively. His PIPM splits, offensive and defensive, in the NBA mirrored the G League as well. So that just shows how much he's got to work on that offensive side. But that defensive ability is not something that we should be disregarding. Just can he actually do one thing on offense to enable him to play 20, 22 minutes and be a deep league contributor who can get steals and blocks and then maybe hit an occasional three? There is something there, but we are two, three years away from that with Jacob Evans, I believe, at this point. That'll wrap it up for today's show, the Golden State Warriors. Tomorrow, I'm going to be wrapping up the Toronto Raptors in their season review. I am going to wait until after Game 5 to see whether the, the championship is wrapped up there. But of course, we're focusing mainly on the regular season, so we'll do that. And then we're going to get into some NBA draft stuff to end the week as well. Make sure you are following me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble and the Locked On Podcast Network at Locked On NBA Net on both Twitter and on Instagram. Go download the Himalaya Podcast app, subscribe. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and on Spotify and on YouTube. Give me a thumbs up, hit subscribe, and hit that little bell so you never miss an episode. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Andre Iguodala.